cars or vehicles next to us. I mean, you do it all. You do it already, but we made it a game as we drove up next to someone at a stop sign or a or a stoplight. We just began to uh, to decide who is this person, what's their issues, uh, where are they going, what problems do they have? You know, those those types of games. Are they worthy? Uh, are they worthy to be driving the vehicle that they're driving? Who gave them that vehicle? Did they earn that themselves? Uh, why why do they have that particular bumper sticker? We just really enjoyed our time playing playing that game. You know, when we walk through life, uh, we do a lot of of judging. Um, if you study scripture or read through scripture at all, we see a lot of of conversation or dialogue about judgment about passing judgment, about receiving judgment, about, uh, about what's going to happen to us in the end, those, those types of things. And so we, we get to this point in the Sermon on the Mount that we've been studying for a while now. We get to this point where, um, where Jesus begins pointing his kingdom people, his kingdom-focused, kingdom-minded people towards what he desires of his followers. If you're living in my kingdom, this is what you will look like. This is how you will act. This is how you will judge or not judge. This is the things that you'll say. Here's your actions. Here's the things. Here's the way that you'll pray. Here's how you'll give. Here's how you'll fast. Here's how you'll uh, know that. Here's how people will know that you belong. That you belong to me. Listen to the story that Jesus told in Luke 18. There were two men who went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee or a religious man. And the other, a tax collector. And just for reference, next week, your taxes are due. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee, the religious person, standing by himself, prayed this way. He said this, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. He begins to show how he's great and why he is great and why he is like no one else. He goes on to say, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get, all my income. But the tax collector on the other side, the tax collector standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven. But instead he beat his chest saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus ends the story by saying, I tell you this, that the man, this man, the sinner, the tax collector, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. See, in all religious circumstances, by all religious measurements, the Pharisee should have been the one who was justified. The Pharisee, the religious person who fasts and gives and is not like everyone else, he should have been the one that was exalted. But instead, the attitude of the tax collector, the attitude of the sinner, where the sinner's heart is or was, where the tax collector's heart and his affections and his knowledge and his fear of God is determined his exaltation, determined why he is justified. So when we get to Matthew chapter 7, these first few verses of chapter 7, and we read about what it means to judge someone else or create a standard of measurement that you're going to measure someone else by, 
I want us to have in mind this parable that Jesus taught between the religious man and the religious Pharisee, who again by all standards of religious measurement should have been justified, should have been exalted, but instead because of his attitude, because of his heart, he did not walk away from the temple justified and exalted that day. But instead the man, the tax collector, the sinner, who recognized his place, recognized God's place, walked away humbled, justified, and exalted. Matthew chapter 7. Turn there with me. We're going to read verses 1 through 6 together this morning and study them. And hopefully um, as we leave this morning and you are sent out from this building to represent Christ and his kingdom, hopefully these verses come to mind this week as we interact with other people. Hopefully you can walk from this place, this building this morning, justified, humbled, exalted because of who God is, because of your understanding of who God is and your understanding of who you truly are. As Jesus begins to talk about judging others, we need to remember that he's using the religious rock stars of the day, the Pharisees, as the example. He's actually using them as the standard of measurement of what it means to judge others. Why? Because the Pharisees fell into a deep pit or trap. They fell into the trap of trying to figure out who is the greatest. I mean, in passing judgment, really my hope is that I find out that I'm better than you. When I judge you, I'm hoping that I find out that I'm better than you. And then when I find out that I'm better than you, when I judge you, then I can determine who is the greatest of them all. And when we pass small judgments or large judgments, we begin to determine by our own standards of measurement we begin to determine who we think is the greatest of them all. For most of us, we understand. We're here this morning. You've set aside some time. You, you probably have a knowledge of, well, you know Jesus is greatest, but you're trying to figure out who's second greatest, who's, who is second in the kingdom, who is not as great as Jesus, but almost there. And so we set up these standards of measurements. We begin passing judgment on others. And so Jesus felt the need. Because he's God, because he knows all things and has all wisdom, he felt the need to share these words to those who desire to belong to his kingdom. Verse 1 says this, Judge not that you, may, that you, you be not judged. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In these first two verses, in these first two statements, Jesus is making this bold proclamation. If you desire to judge, you will be judged by the standard of measurement that you're judging others by. The Pharisees felt that they were higher than everyone else. They tried to lord their position over everyone else. See how great we are. They determined how great they are by the things that they did not do. They set themselves apart from the world by justifying themselves by their actions or by the things they did not do. And then in that, they became these great judges. One of them changed their name to Judgey Judgerson because he was such a great judge. He walked around judging people. 
He was a fruit inspector. Let me, let me check to see how, how religious you are. Let me see how great you are. And he began to use himself as the standard of measurement. Does it sound like any of you in this room this morning? I kind of felt like starting this morning saying, Hey, welcome sinners. I see all you here. I recognize all your sins. I see how great and pitiful you all are. You know, I mean, really, I mean, who, who likes to be judged? But how many of us love, just love to judge? It says something about our heart. It's why the Sermon on the Mount really is a heart issue that we're talking about. It's about getting down to the root of the problem, about letting Christ be our center, saving the sinners so that we may be changed and transformed into his likeness, denying self, no longer being self-absorbed and seeking or trying to steal the glory of God, but instead we become these people who are denying self, taking up cross, following Jesus, following his actions, following his love, his mercy, his humility, recognizing that he is the only one, he is the only one that can judge justly. We all have these skewed views. Our judgment is always altered by something else by what we think of ourselves, or how great or how small we think we are. We always have a skewed or a, or a missed view on how to actually judge something correctly. Though we try and set up rules and laws and put in standards of measurements and say we're going to judge everyone this way, but if we're being real with one another this morning, really we know, for being honest with one another, the way that we really judge is by determining how great I am the things that I'm not a part of, and if you're a part of those things that I'm against, then I'm going to judge you for those. So judge not, that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I mean, some of us should find that scary. Some of us should tremble at those those words that Jesus is saying there. Some of us should hope that these aren't true, actual words. Some of us should just... Hope that these words that Jesus are saying are just some good words that he, he kind of wants us to live by. But if these really are truthful words, then we may need to tremble. Again, in passing judgment, my hope, maybe your hope, is that I find out that I'm better than you. Who will be the greatest in the kingdom? So we begin life, religious walking by judging. And Jesus, as he's preaching the sermon here, he's trying to set his people apart from the rest of the world. He doesn't want his kingdom to look like the kingdoms of the world. He wants his kingdom to be different, setting him high and lifted up, the only righteous and just judge, allowing him to be the one who judges everyone for their actions. Because his standard of measurement, his vantage point on life is the greatest. So he goes on to say in verse 3, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? These Pharisees became these fruit inspectors. They diligently worked hard to set up a system in order to determine who was the greatest in their religious world. And they altered it so that they could make it fit their actions. Over and over and over again, they changed things so it would fit the way they felt like they, they could live. Well, I fast twice a week. Well, what if some other religious leader came in and said, hey, you don't need to just fast twice a week. If you want to be truly religious, fast seven times a week. Well, there's no way we can do that. Yeah, well, I'm religious and I do it. 
Well, I pray this many times a week. Well, there's no way you can pray that many times a week. I pray this many times a week. I'm, I'm super religious. And we begin judging others by their actions. We become these fruit inspectors trying to show who has real fruit, who has fake fruit. And is, is my fruit or the thing that I'm trying to produce, is it better than you? And in doing all of this, Jesus says that we miss, we miss the log, the tree that is in our own eye. Desperately inspecting others' lives, using our own standard of measurement, finding dust or a speck of sawdust in someone else's eye. I mean, Christian, you know, if you've been around longer than me, you know that Christians have, been, have even done this really well. We fit this Pharisee type so well, judging the rest of the world, not using the same standard of measurement, not pointing people to who God truly is, but instead saying, hey, this is how great I am, so you should be uh, just like me. Not greater than me, but you should be at least just like me. Verse 4 says this, Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own. Uh, several years ago, I think I've, maybe I've told you this story before, but my dad and I and some friends were fishing at a, a place called Two Dollar Pond, and a Two Dollar Pond had, had almost dried up. There was a lot of mud, and uh, my friend and I, Colder, decided we were going to walk across uh, across part of the dried up pond to get to the other side to fish on the other side because uh, it just seemed like uh, the other side of the world was a better place to fish, if you know what I'm saying, David. So we began walking across what we thought was the dried up part of the pond. And as we began walking across, Colder's in front of me and I'm following behind. He begins to sink down into the mud. And I thought it was funny until I began to sink in the mud. And at that moment, Colder's asking me to help and I'm asking him to help. And neither of us can help one another because we're both stuck in the mud. We have to call on somebody greater than ourselves to come and help us. So we called on Colder's dad to come and help us. <laughs> Jesus is pointing this out. As we set standards of measurements, as we begin judging by our own measurements, as we begin judging by our own system that we set up, it's like we're stuck in the mud trying to help somebody else who's stuck in the mud. It's like we're trying to pick out this piece of sawdust when we can't even clearly see the sawdust ourselves because of our own sin, because of our own self-righteousness. I mean, really, this, this verse 4 says something deep about our heart. When Jesus says, Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye. I mean, this, this takes us back to the garden scene. And the root of the issue here, where Adam and Eve wanted to play the role of God. They wanted to leave their place and move into the role or the position of God. I know more. I know best. I know what's right. And so I'm going to follow my own life. And when we begin judging, we become the judger. We feel like our righteousness is right. Our judging is correct or just. We begin trying to move ourselves into the role or the position of God. And let me remind you, in Christ's kingdom, there is only one God. In Christ's kingdom, there is only one king. In Christ's kingdom, there is only one Lord. Jesus is that. 
And so with that, we begin living our lives differently. We begin recognizing that this moment where we're trying to uh, f- figure out somebody's righteousness or, or their uh, production of fruit, we begin to notice in our own heart our desire, our desire to be God. We have to fight against that. Lord, help me deny self. Let me take up the cross. Let me follow you and not myself anymore. When we become when we become these judges, thinking we can rightly judge, we become these people who, who really are trying to say, I know just as much as God knows, if not more. I mean, when God says these things, we have these things written down. We have his standard of measurement, but I'm going to play the part of God in this situation because maybe I know just as much as him or, or maybe I know more than him. And that is an awful place to be in. And that's why Jesus says in verses 1 and 2, careful that you don't judge because you will be judged with the same sort of measurement. Some of you are asking, okay, well, but what are these specks of dust that, that, we're, that we're looking for? I mean, we, we, what is this log that's blocking my view? I mean, Jesus doesn't want us to judge, and yet we, we want to be able to identify sin and, and call people out and hold people accountable and, and move them into a right relationship with God. So, so I, I, I don't want to be this unjust fruit inspector, but I still want to be a, a fruit inspector. Well, if you turn to Galatians chapter 5, you hear this from Paul as he wrote to the church. Galatians chapter 5, verse 18 says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, and the like. We have these things set up, and we spend our life as judgy judgersons looking for these particular fruits to point out. I'll oh, see here, see how this, see this, see this, see this. I, I'm not a part of any, of any of those things. And on the other side of that, the, fruits that, the fruit that we're trying to be in production of, peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control and love and joy, these fruits are the fruits that we're missing. We spend so much time trying to find that speck of sawdust, that moment of jealousy, that fit of rage, that, that division, that dissension, that we miss our own lives, not producing the fruits that abiding in Christ actually produces. So we, we tend not to show love in judgment. We tend not to show joy in uh, serving others. We, we tend to show these things that are against living or abiding and dwelling in Christ because we so desperately, the heart issue is we want to remain living in self. I want to be in control. I want to be in control of the situation. Matthew 7 verse 5 says this, You hypocrite, you actor, you two-faced person, First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. A few years ago, we went as a family to watch a 3D movie. I don't know if you've been seen a 3D movie in a while, but they're pretty um, 
realistic in a way. It's almost like there's multiple dimensions that we're looking at, and almost. And you have to wear the sunglasses or the 3D glasses. And so, uh, so we're there at the 3D movie, and um, and one of our children kept saying that they couldn't see the movie well, you know, and and so we kept trying to help him. Of course, it's dark in there, and you can't really tell, and you're trying to give uh, trying to give instruction, but you, you really can't tell what's going on. Anyways, after the movie was over, we asked the, the uh, child of ours, I don't want to point them out, hey, you know, how did you like the movie? It was terrible. Well, what do you mean? Well, I couldn't see any of it. Well, did you wear the glasses? Yeah, I wore the glasses the whole time. Well, let me see your glasses. During the course of the movie, at some point, probably towards the beginning, as the hand was going in the buttery popcorn and the, and the popcorn was going into the mouth, most of it, and the butter and the popcorn, the butter somehow got on the, on the lens of the 3D glasses. And you couldn't see anything. There was no clarity at all. Everything was missed because the, lens, the lenses were covered with buttery popcorn butter. Really, this is, this is what happens to us. During the course of a week, when we're not a disciplined people, when we're not denying self daily, when we're not taking off cross and following Jesus, but instead when we're lifting up self, becoming self-absorbed, ignoring the cross, some moments following Jesus, our vision becomes blurred. Our judgment becomes hindered. We begin passing judgment upon the world, upon our neighbors, upon our, our family, upon our co-workers. We have this blurred vision where the cross, Christ, our Savior, should be the standard of measurement. Instead, our vision becomes blurred. We direct our gaze upon ourself again. We begin using ourself and our self-righteousness as the standard of measurement. And Christ says, you hypocrite. Have a clear vision. Let your vision be fixed upon the one so that you may see clearly. So then you can help others also see clearly. The good news is this that I can be super righteous, super holy, super pure because of Christ. The good news is this, that Christ is a righteous, holy, just judge. That his standard of measurement is equal for all. The good news is this, that he will not judge incorrectly. There will not be a mistrial. All his judgments will be correct because of who he is. And that's why we point people to him. That's why we point our righteousness to him and him alone. Because only he can be the just judge. D.A. Carson says this concerning these last, this last verse in this section. Verse 6. Says Jesus is commanding his disciples not to share the richest parts of spiritual truth with persons who are persistently vicious, irresponsible, and unappreciative. Just as the pearls were unappreciative by the savage animals, but only enraged them and made them more dangerous, so also many of the riches of God's revelation are unappreciated by many people. See, 
Christ ends this moment here as he's preaching about judgment with these words. Do not give the dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. I mean, Jesus is saying, I'm about to share with you a treasure beyond all treasures. And I'm sharing with you this treasure with the hope that you will recognize the good news of the king of the kingdom. That you'll recognize the good news, the saving grace of the eternal Savior. That you'll recognize the good news, the treasure that it is of who Christ really is. The greatest and the ultimate, the supreme, just judge. It's not our job. It is his job. Only he can bear that. And so we allow him to continue to do that. The good news is this, that Jesus is a great treasure. That he is the greatest And when we battle and we want to judge this week, we want to pass judgment or or have our own standard of measurement, what righteousness truly looks like, instead of saying, I know as much as God knows, our answer should be, I know God. When I first went to college, I went... Uh, to school on a FFA scholarship, and uh, I got to be a part of a judging team. It was pretty cool. I got to judge things. They they really paid for my school so that I could go and judge. And uh, particularly, I judged. I was in the meets judging program, and so our our job was to determine uh, which which uh, carcasses beef or lamb or pig uh, was the greatest of quality. So I got to be this judger. Which collegiate team is the best at judging? Which collegiate team is the best? Which individual uh, collegiate member of the team is the best at judging? Uh, At national championship, our team didn't do as great as we expected, but individually, I'm going to boast for a second here, individually, I had the greatest I'd ever done in my entire life. And I placed first in placing, which means this. I looked at the row of carcasses and I said, which one is the greatest and which one is the least of all? And I put them in order. Well, this looks like, looks like I, when I look at this, it makes me hungry, so I'm going to put that one first. When I look at this one, I want to throw it away, so I'm going to put it last. I place first as the first in placing, first place judger. How many of our churches are the same way? How many of us are the same way? We write in papers, we put it on Facebook, we show how great we are, how great they're not, how great we are. Here's our standard of measurement. I'm going to put things in the order they're supposed to, they're supposed to go in. I mean, even Jesus' disciples, as they're walking with him, struggle with this. Well, who will be the greatest in the kingdom? Who, who will be the greatest? And Jesus in Matthew 20 says, the first will be last, and the last will be first. The kingdom, God's kingdom, Christ's kingdom, is not like the world. Don't try and judge like the world judges. Don't use the same standard of measurement that your friends and coworkers and family members use on you. But instead, see who the king of the kingdom is. See who the eternal savior is. See our gracious, our gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, God is. And point people to him. Who's the greatest in the kingdom? God is the greatest in the kingdom. And with that, 
We use that as our standard of measurement. Let's all have a vision and a clarity of who Christ is and the good news of him. No longer pass judgment like the world passes judgment, but instead we see Jesus for all that he is because he is the greatest. Lord Jesus, help us this morning to respond to you. God, help us as some of us, like myself, fight with self-absorption, fight with self-righteousness. God, help us to see you and your glory. God, help us to see you like, like Peter wrote to us. A God who is holy, who makes us holy, who sets us apart. God, help us to see you as a father who judges impartially. God, and then help us to walk knowing we were ransomed from our futile ways, inherited. That you adopted us not with something perishable like silver or gold, but instead with the precious blood of Jesus, like a lamb without blemish or spot. And because he's perfect, we know that you judge perfectly. God, help us to point people with a clear vision to Jesus. God, help us not to be known as people who are just looking for the greatest, who's the greatest in the world, but instead help us to be known as a people who worship the greatest. God, help us not to be known as a people who judge, but instead be known as a people who know the righteous judge. God, help us to be as Christ desires for us to be and you desire for us to be a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to you so that we may proclaim the excellencies of you who called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. God, help us to remember that we once were not a people, but now we are your people. You have given us mercy. Because we have received mercy, God, as strangers and foreigners in this land, help us to abstain from the passions of the flesh. Help us not to be led into temptation. But instead, God, help us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling you've placed in our life. In a manner worthy to those around us, honorable, so that others may see See our good work and glorify you because you, God, alone are worthy of receiving glory. God, thank you for being gracious to us. Thank you for being patient and loving. Thank you for seeing joy and suffering for our sake. God, help us for those of us in this room who are people who belong to you. God, help us to walk like we belong to you. God, for those this morning who have not confessed Christ as Lord, I pray you continue to work in their life, showing them your presence. That convict us all, change us all, so that we may be transformed into your likeness, 
so, so that we may be like you, so that others may see you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.